Welcome to the Full Fact Podcast, where we fight bad information one fact at a time. I'm Alexis Conrad, and in this episode, which is our last in our current series, but fret not, we will be back in the autumn. In this episode, we are going to look at a question of why BAME people are disproportionately affected by COVID-19. We look at patterns of misinformation across Europe, and we also do a roundup of all the conspiracy theories that have sprung up since the start of COVID-19. But first, it is time to welcome the editor of Full Fact. Tom Phillips joins me. Tom, how are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Tom. I'm very well. Uh, Let's kick off with our first story this week. And I have to say, this is a story that almost fooled me because quite a lot of blue tick accounts all across Twitter came out with the same story. Uh, It was a couple of days ago, and this concerned the level of suicide rates having risen above 200%. And this was a tweet that was widely shared. I was just about to share it myself because I saw it from blue tick accounts that I know and trust. But there was something about the language that stopped me. It made my scam spidey sense rise up. And it was this. Do not retweet this. Copy paste it and tweet it to your friends. That was where I stopped. But I never did the actual fact check. But I'm glad to say that you guys have done the fact check of whether or not there is any evidence of a 200% rise in lockdown suicides. Yeah, and the answer is that there isn't, there is simply no evidence around this right now, because we simply don't have the figures yet. The statistics for suicide, which are gathered by the Office for National Statistics, they tend to be released quite a long time after the time period you're talking about. So the most recent ones we have for the entire UK are for 2018. There are some provisional figures for England alone uh, going up to 2019, but nothing that covers the period of the pandemic. We looked into this and we couldn't find anything suggesting this. There was a mental health charity who said that calls to their helpline had gone up by around 200% during the crisis, but Ah. nothing actually suggests that suicides had gone up by that amount. So we all know that this has been a very difficult time. It's entirely likely that there are real mental health issues that lots of people across the population are experiencing, but we just don't have any evidence of this yet. It was done with the best of intentions. This wasn't a scam. It wasn't fake news in that sort of classical sense. It was done with the very good intention of highlighting that there is support available. It was included the number for Samaritans, which is 116123. And so it's really important to say that it was done with really good intentions and that that core message that support is available that's still very, very real and really important right now. But the actual figure wasn't based on any evidence. And I think it's really important that people who do have those large platforms act responsibly and sensitively when you're talking about a really complex and potentially traumatising subject like this. Thank you, Tom. I think that's a really important one. Thank you. Now, let's move on to our main story in this episode, which is a look back on COVID-19 crisis and the pandemic so far. We're going to see lockdown measures being lifted in England tomorrow. So this week, we are going to be joined by several, in fact, almost all of our full fat checkers to talk about what we've seen during the coronavirus so far. First up, I'm joined by Leo Benedictus. Leo, um, thanks for joining us. Pleasure. The demand for information on COVID-19 has been really, really high. And It's been a little bit unfair on a sort of a lay population. All this information 
there is a big demand for it, but are we understanding it properly? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that is one of the big questions, really. Um, when when we were talking about looking back at the year, that's one of the things that, that stood out for me is what's essentially happened is all the stories, all the news of the year has been swept aside by one single news story. And yet it's a news story that we don't know anything about because it's a new disease. We We don't have any research about it we don't have any experience on trying to understand it and so everyone has been kind of approaching this afresh and and yeah we all want answers and at least to begin with nobody had any so it was a very very difficult time and and I think a lot of what what I've done I'm sure what many people have done has involved rapidly trying to learn and understand um, some of the ways of measuring um, and getting a grip on on this virus and how it's behaving in the world. Flawed studies being reported in the media have been a huge part of this pandemic too. Uh, For example, just this week there was a study linking vitamin D deficiency to COVID-19 deaths. And like a lot of these studies, it's needed to be corrected or even retracted after it was released. Yeah, I mean, science has has really been through the same process that, that the rest of the, the media has. Normally, it would take years and, and arguments back and forth and conferences where experts disagree with one another before we start to get a consensus view on a subject. But we don't have time for that in a, in a pandemic. So a lot of the norms of science have, have changed. And we're seeing a lot of preprints, for example, which are essentially scientific papers that haven't been through the peer review process yet papers that have been written by the scientists very quickly and published so anyone can see them but they haven't yet been looked at and picked apart by other scientists and and we know that quite often preprints will change during that peer review process there will be things that need to be picked apart but because everything's happening so fast and these things then turn up in the media that we we quite quickly find that they're wrong and, and we have to correct them. I, I think the example you're you're thinking of is the the story we had on Tuesday um, about vitamin D study, which came from Indonesia, yes. I believe. Yeah, and that showed, um, well, it was reported to show that 99% of people with a vitamin D deficiency who caught COVID died. That simply wasn't true, or at least the study certainly didn't demonstrate that because it wasn't clear at all um, how they'd found these people. It was a it was wasn't clearly a sample that was taken representatively of uh, of people with COVID. So so it was very difficult to say that. But it nevertheless got picked up by the Mail and and the Express who who reported this. And really, this is this is a sort of an understandable mistake to make. I think you see scientific uh, work being published and think this is this is good and authoritative and worth reporting, but the whole of the rest of the scientific process hasn't happened yet. And uh, yeah, no, it all gets... A lot of mistakes happen when we do things quickly, is a simple way of saying. Leo, thank you. Now, uh, I'm going to welcome on another bunch of fact-checkers because we've got loads here at Full Facts. That's what Full Fact do. Uh, But I am joined by Deputy Editor Claire Milne, Rachel Krishna is joining me, and Abbas Panjwani. Welcome to all of you. Claire... Can you tell us a little bit about the infodemic, as it's been called, across Europe? So we explored this infodemic in a report with fact checkers from four other countries around Europe, France, Germany, Italy and Spain. Uh, And we looked at the the main themes and patterns of misinformation that we'd seen spreading across Europe and cropping up in each of our individual countries. 
Okay, let's go through some of these themes. Rachel, tell us about some of the crazy cures uh, that we saw going around. I, I remember seeing one of the early ones of drinking hot water or being able to hold your breath for over 30 seconds uh, meant you uh, didn't have COVID-19. Gargling with salt water, there was loads. Are they still there? Uh, and what are some of the most strange ones that we saw? So some of the main ones that we saw were things like, as you were saying, breath tests. So if you have, you know, lung capacity, these kind of tests were suggesting, then your lungs haven't been damaged with coronavirus, therefore you're fine. Some were suggesting gargling water, gargling salt water. And then things like other medicines to kind of cure the coronavirus, so like chlorine dioxide. We're seeing a little bit less of them um, at the moment, but that doesn't mean necessarily they've gone away. You know, and we've seen some really wild ones over the period. You were, you were talking about hot water. We saw in our fact checking putting your hairdryer up your nose because the heat. <laughs> yes, no. because the heat can uh, kill the virus. <laughs> Surely that was a hoax. Um, people believed it. I, I hope I hope one of our fact checkers did try this just just for testing it out. You know, just just before we dismiss it, somebody had to try I it. do not want to comment on the personal choices of any of the fact checkers <laughs> or what they do outside of work. Um, there was a lot of diet stuff as well. Things like suggesting the alkaline diet, like eating high alkaline foods could get rid of this. A lot of kind of common health foods that we see pop up now and then outside of coronavirus misinformation as well. So it's been a real range of uh, suggested topics of what cures this. For every one of these bizarre self-treatment techniques, does that mean that a bunch of medical experts have to actually go out and look at them closely before they dismiss them? Yeah, you saw the hydroxychloroquine that people actually went and did the studies and it took, you know, it took time for medical experts to look into this and disprove it or, and, you know, give reasons why, give the evidence why, because that's the real key thing here. COVID-19 in itself is so novel that a lot of time when you suggest something could cure it, there has to be that process of checking. And there's still a lot of, you know, drugs going through these sort of trials right now. The vaccine trials are still ongoing as well. And so it takes time. And I think that's a big issue here in that people want the immediate answer and people want the immediate cure. But it is mm -hmm. going to take time and research to find something that works. Thank you, Rachel. We also saw a huge amount of conspiracy theories involving 5G, which uh, we've covered on an entire episode at the beginning of this podcast series. And peculiarly, a lot of them seem to pivot around Bill Gates. Abbas, what is it about Bill Gates? and Why is he so connected to all these conspiracy theories? There are parts of the internet that are very concerned about new technologies such as 5G, and there are parts of the internet that are very concerned about vaccines. And Bill Gates really sits at the centre of that as the founder of Microsoft and a massive donor to vaccination efforts across the world, especially in the developing world. And so what we've seen with COVID-19 is a lot of these conspiracy theories sort of coalesce and fuse together that might have been a bit more separate previously. So we've seen with regards to Bill Gates people claiming that his plan is to inject everyone with microchips that are going to track their movements and allow him to, you know, expand his sort of dominion over the world. 
We've seen theories that he already owns the patent for coronavirus, which is based on a misreading of a patent for a different coronavirus owned by a lab, which he has had some involvement in in the past, but not their vaccine work. So it's people with a bit too much time on their hands and access to sort of patent library search engines really drawing the wrong conclusions that fit their pre-existing conception of the world. I've always been curious about why particularly Bill Gates himself has been connected to all this. You know, he does give an, a, an enormous amount of money for philanthropic purposes across the globe. We know that he is a supporter of vaccination, particularly in poorer countries, to eradicate disease. And those two things combined, plus the fact that he of course, he, he's a very powerful individual because of his connections to Microsoft. So all that sort of comes together, backfiring on Bill Gates, really. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I think that, you know, if you go far back enough through some of these conspiracies, you do find sort of kernels of truth. So one thing we know is that vaccines are incredibly safe, incredibly safe. But there's a small chance that someone who has a vaccine will have an adverse reaction and may in fact contract something similar to the disease that it's trying to protect against. So one thing we've also seen is the re-emergence of claims about Bill Gates having crippled thousands of children in India through his funding of a polio vaccine. And when you, as you said, look back, you can say, OK, well, yes, the polio vaccine does, in very small number of cases, cause paralysis amongst children. But you can see there are sort of kernels of truth there that then kind of get blown up to saying that Bill Gates has crippled thousands of children in India and been kicked out of India. And that's really something we're trying to fight back against because so much of it is is just beyond the beyond the realms of truth now abbas thank you for that and that leads us quite neatly it's as if we planned it uh to the vaccine misinformation because if we're going to be looking to the future it's all going to be about the vaccine claire what have we got to look forward to are we to expect an onslaught of misinformation surrounding the development of the vaccine for COVID-19? So I would expect so. And we've seen a lot of, of misinformation about vaccines already during this pandemic, um, as have all of the other fact checkers that were involved in, in the report that we did. So we've seen, you know, things already about trials that have been ongoing. So we've, we've talked before on the podcast about claims that volunteers in the trials have died when that wasn't the case at all. Yeah, um, we've also know, that was a week after the trial started. Exactly. Um, so we might prepare ourselves at full fact to see claims like that coming out in future as, as more trials happen and we, we get closer to having a vaccine. We've also seen claims about vaccines being ready already and available when Again, not the case at all. And one of the things that we, we've talked a lot about in, in the last few weeks and months on the podcast is about the confusion that surrounds the fact that we call this a coronavirus when it's just one of, of many different coronaviruses and the confusion that that causes. So we've, again, seen claims that there is already a vaccine when, in fact, what people are actually referring to and have misinterpreted is vaccines for coronaviruses in, in other animals. So we've seen cow vaccines and dog vaccines wrongly held up as a, a vaccine that's already there for humans. And why aren't we using this? So, so there's that confusion uh, as well around, around vaccines. So there's lots of different claims that we've seen already. And I'm sure we will see many, many more in the, in the months to come. And just before we leave, Claire, I mean, uh, we may be taking a break uh, with a podcast and uh, we're going to be back in the autumn. But for stories that do crop up, uh, it's important to remind people that, that Full Fact are going to be looking at all these stories. So the website uh, is going to be the best uh, source 
to you know check up on these uh, these stories which as you said undoubtedly will be cropping up not just on social media but as we've seen throughout this podcast also picked up by the mainstream media and newspapers and just printed without the due diligence that's expected really Exactly. And and if people do see a claim that they have a question about, you know, come to the Full Fat website to see if we've written about it and also see if you can find what the source is for yourself and do a little bit of digging. Um, as, as, as often, the truth of the situation is, is, is only a, a few Google searches away sometimes. Thank you, Claire. Deputy Editor of Full Fact there, Claire Milne. Thank you to Rachel Krishna and to Abbas Panjwani, two of our amazing fact checkers. Now, it's time for Ask Full Fact. This week, we've got one question that has been sent in to us by Rachel. I wonder if Full Fact could tell me what are the reasons behind the apparent higher death rate amongst black, Asian and ethnic minority groups. Thank you. Tom, there's the question. What have Full Fact found out? So, yeah, this is a hugely complex question. We've written about this recently, published a piece on it. Um, I would say, in fact... Best thing here is go to fullfact.org and read that because it's a complicated issue and we're not going to be able to cover all of the complexities in it in this bit. But yes, we do know that people from ethnic minority backgrounds are more at risk of COVID-19 than white people are in the UK. And it's not just in the UK. This is being seen in other countries as well. The reasons for that... You can split this up into two different things. First of all, there may be an increased risk of infection because people from certain ethnic backgrounds may be more likely to work in jobs, for example, that put them at greater risk of infection. For example, NHS frontline workers. They may also be things like, you know, the types of housing that they live in, the kind of family situations they live in. If there's sort of large, densely packed housing, uh, then that may increase the risk of spread there as well. Mm -hmm. And then there may be other factors that even once you've been infected may also increase the risk. For example, we know that there are health inequalities that already exist across the population. There are certain risk factors that make COVID-19 worse, you know, for example, heart conditions or other forms of ill health. And so those may also then come to play. The existing health inequalities that we see in the UK population may be exacerbating this. In addition to that, you have to control for other things. For example, the BAME population in the UK is generally younger than the white population. As we know, age is a major determinant of outcomes in COVID-19. And so you have to control for age. And in fact, that shows that the risk is even greater because younger people are dying in uh, in BME populations. And so, yeah, it's a really, really complicated question. Yeah. The evidence isn't fully in there, but we do know that there are really significant inequalities in the outcomes for this. And exactly how this can be combated is a major question that needs to be addressed. Well, this is uh, this is it. This is the end uh, of the series so far. So thank you for listening to the Full Fact Podcast. Uh, you can find all our previous episodes and any future episodes on Acast, iTunes, Spotify, and anywhere else you can think of. So as I said, that's the end of the series, but we will be dropping short fact blasts, we're calling them, uh, here on your feed every Friday morning as usual. So you will be getting something. So... Thank you for listening. I've been Alexis Conran and I have enjoyed myself thoroughly doing this. I hope you have to and I speak to you all again in the autumn. And if you've enjoyed this series, then Full Fact could use your help. We've talked a lot in the last few weeks about how bad information can affect people's lives and why facts matter. During a health crisis like this, they matter more than ever. None of our work, including this podcast, would be possible without our Full Fact supporters. 
A £10 donation will help us continue our fact-checking and reach more people with good, reliable information. So please go to fullfact.org forward slash podcast and help us stand up for the truth. Thank you. Thank you for listening. I've been Alexis Conrad. Oh, how can I get my name wrong? (laughs) (laughs) It's a long day already.